It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You're listening to BGN Radio. Welcome to This Week in Fantasy. (sighs) (sighs) No, not that kind of fantasy. A little more nerdy, a little less... Sexy. I mean, is there any doubt that Superman wouldn't be the greatest fantasy baseball player in the world? That's the ticket. All righty, welcome in. This is This Week in Fantasy, episode number eight, powered by Duncan Philly. We are through one week of the season. I am your fill-in host, James Seltzer. John Barchard out for the week. I will do my best to honor his legacy until he is back next week. And with me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend from FFToolbox.com, Mr. Tony Casali. Tony, how are you today, brother? Uh, Thanks for having me, James. Uh, Yeah, I don't know the man, the myth, the legend anymore. After week one, I think it is uh, the myth. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So we had some. Uh, we actually had a good week on the show in the first week. I was pretty excited with a lot of our calls. Uh, you know that usually doesn't happen, Tony. So I'm I'm pretty excited that we kind of nailed it. But why don't we jump right in, Tony? We got a lot to talk about. We got to recap this week that happened. Kind of see what kind of trends were out there. Some stuff that we kind of think will continue moving forward, and then we'll get into the important stuff, the prepping for week two. So let's get started here, Tone. Let's start off with who stood out to you the most in week one. Give me a positive and a negative. So so the guy that I'm highest on right now after week one, uh, or one of the underrated guys that I'm highest on right now is Sean Moreno, who spent most of the offseason being, you know, uh, having everybody say that he should go in the 10th or 11th round. Obviously, as we got a little bit closer to the draft, he started moving up the boards. You got him in the 7th, 8th, ninth round, and you put him on your bench in the first week, which is exactly what you should have done. 
Now he's shown that he's not just a third down back in Miami, which is great news for Noshan Moreno owners, bad news for Lamar Miller owners, because he's not going to be getting the bulk of the carries. But if you have Noshan Moreno now and you have somebody like Toby Gerrard who's questionable, or even when he's not questionable, is averaging two point something yards a carry, uh, you can feel comfortable putting Noshan Moreno in your starting lineup next week. Of course you stole the guy I was going to say as well. I, I was so impressed with Noshan. I really liked him going in. I've actually got a couple side bets with some friends, a little Lamar Miller versus Noshan Moreno, two friends uh, who, who believe more in Miller, and, and I went on the other side. So I'm, I'm totally with you. I was so encouraged. Uh, 24 carries. Uh, it looked like they really want to get him involved. And when you read some of the quotes that you see from Miami, all they're talking about is how he runs with reckless abandon and how much fun this guy is to play with and, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I'm really high on Noshan. I'll give you one more positive. It's actually the guy that I, I recommended in our last podcast that was kind of a nice under-the-radar start, and that was Mark Ingram. Two touchdowns, 60 yards on 13 carries. Looked really good. Granted, the Falcons' D-line not necessarily the best in the game, but nice to see Ingram getting involved, getting chances near the goal line, and converting on those chances. Uh, Tony, a negative guy, I'll give you mine first, and it was very simple. It's really the entire Giants offense, but I'll go with Victor Cruz because I think he's probably the most owned guy on that offense along with Rashad Jennings. And Jennings, obviously, the lone somewhat bright spot, 49 yards rushing, which he had to fight his ass off to get um the Giants offense just looked lost at times they didn't look like an NFL team out there uh Eli looked terrible he looked like he didn't want to be there looked like he was having all kinds of problems with McAdoo's system and Victor Cruz had two catches as opposed to four drops did not look good didn't look like he was a part of the game literally looked invisible for the entire first half so I'm worried about Victor Cruz Tona what was your negative standout of the week yeah, for negative takeaway for me, I think it's going to have to go with the quarterbacking crew of the entire NFC East. Now, look, I mean, here we go. We got we have RG3, and we didn't really expect too much out of him just because of the preseason. A lot of people, uh, I benched him for Carson Palmer this week. Couldn't have been happier that I did. I'm going to do it again next week until I see something a little bit better out of him. Tony Romo... I, now, he's one that I expected a little bit more out of, and I, and I do actually expect him to bounce back a little bit. But right now, they just look lost. They can't get on the same page. He's going to get bailed out by having outstanding receivers, but you know they've got to get it together over there. Luckily, their defense is terrible enough that he'll continue to throw the ball. As long as he's watching where he's throwing it, he's still going to get some numbers. Uh, and obviously, Eli Manning was a train wreck, and that whole... Uh, new West Coast offense going into New York, and even and even Foles. I mean, you know, coming at seventeen to nothing, they had to come back. What I'm worried about a little bit there is the offensive line a little bit more than Foles's actual production. I think he's probably going to be just fine, but you saw some turnovers, which was not part of his game last year. So if you spent really really high on him, and maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And another thing to to sort of remind you that you can wait on quarterbacks because you don't know which ones are going to be studs and which ones aren't. Yeah, that's a great point. Palmer obviously looked really good week one. Jake Locker looked good in week one. There were a few quarterbacks there you definitely could have gotten for a song at the end of your draft who outplayed some of the bigger names, and, and obviously the NFC's a disaster from an offense offensive perspective outside of the Eagles' second half. Uh, let's stick with the worry theme, Tone. Moving forward, uh, we've got a few really big names who you could theoretically come out of Week 1 being worried about. Touch on just a couple. Jamal Charles, only 11 touches in Week 1. Are you worried at all about Charles? 
I'm worried a little about Charles. I'm not worried a lot about him. I don't think that they're going to be quite as good in Kansas City. So I don't think they're going to have the opportunity to run the ball as much. I don't think the defense is quite as stout. So they're going to have to throw the ball maybe a little bit more than they did before. Hopefully Jamal Charles will be able to catch some wheel routes out of the back and catch a uh, catch some check downs and keep his numbers up because I don't think his rushing numbers are going to be quite as high as they were last year. Yeah, great point about the O-line. Actually, one of the things I do at rotowire.com is I am in charge of the O-line grid and the O-line rankings, and the Chiefs O-line is bad. I'll put it that way. It's very mm-hmm. bad. Lost Brendan Albert in the offseason. Their, their star left tackle. Eric Fisher moves over from right tackle to left tackle. The kid had had enough problems manning the right tackle position. Looks like he's not ready for the left tackle position either. And then, of course, the Donald Stevenson suspended to start the season. So I'm with you. I'm a little worried about Charles. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. If we redrafted today, I'd still take him in my top five. But... I'm a little worried. Here's a guy I'm a lot more worried about, and that's Doug Martin. I'm not going to say I'm jumping completely off the bandwagon, but uh, nicked up, looked terrible. That entire Tampa Bay offense looked really, really bad. Josh McCown, again, like Eli, looked lost at times. How are you feeling about Doug Martin right now, Tone? I'm not feeling really good about him. I mean, the, honestly, the one of the things that he's got going for him is that I, I just don't feel like Bobby Rainey is the guy who can take over. If he was one, if Doug Martin was one of those guys who had one of these, you know, prototypical size, really good backup running backs coming out, uh, then I think he'd be looking over his shoulder, you know, right away. Uh, luckily for him, yeah, you should probably handcuff with Bobby Rainey just in case he gets pulled. I just don't think that Bobby Rainey's an every down back, and that actually, you know, whether you consider it helping or hurting, Doug Martin you know, does need to get better. Otherwise, they're going to have him in there every week anyway. He's just not going to produce for you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Rainey thing, I, I'm not even owning Rainey. It's a stay away from me. I, I'm scared of Vincent Jackson. I'm, Mike Evans looked decent. I, I'm just scared of that whole Tampa Bay offense right now. Obviously, if you already own some of these guys, it's going to be hard to do anything about it now. You're just going to kind of have to hold out and wait. But, you know, we'll see. I'm a little nervous about that Tampa Bay offense. I, I don't own Martin anywhere, but I do own Vincent Jackson little nervous about that. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's stick with the running backs. One more running back to discuss here, and that's Zach Stacy. Obviously, St. Louis mixing Benny Cunningham in a little bit. Add Good call the, on that, by the way. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, well, you know, there was a little smoke in the preseason. They were they were really putting him in a lot in that third game pre, of the preseason. Benny Cunningham got a lot of work with the first team. It scared me a little bit, and then... Adding to that, Sean Hill, the Sean Hill situation, Sean Hill gets knocked out with a thigh injury. Austin Howard, who I've never even heard of the guy, is playing he hasn't quarterback. Even heard of himself. Exactly. He's playing quarterback in the NFL. Just looked like a disaster across the board. I, I, I really don't want anything to do with the Rams offense at all. Tony, how do you feel? No, it's a sad story over there. You know, and even today on the news, Chris Long is going to have ankle surgery. So another defense is 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 going to be without oh, one of their. They're yeah. literally their best defensive player is now gone too. So it's just one thing after another for the for the Rams. You know, early in the offseason, you're like, hey, maybe these guys. You know, their defense is great. Maybe Sam Bradford comes back. They got some young guys, and now the whole thing has just gone off the rails right away. They're already going to be, you know, one of the early contenders for the best or for the number one overall pick next year. It's it's not looking good in St. Louis, and I really don't want a part of any of it. Although I will tell you that your Benny Cunningham is a nice little waiver pickup. Uh, I don't know if I would, you know, put him in the starting lineup anytime soon. But is somebody riding your bench to see if something happens? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? 
Yeah, I agree, especially when you see what Stacy did last year with a, a pretty poor team to begin with offensively. No Bradford last year for the majority of when Stacy, you know, did his work, so to speak. So, so the points can be there to be had, but if I'm a Zach Stacy owner this season, I am definitely nervous. Uh, last guy to just touch on in this worried kind of segment, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. I'm not too worried. I think that he is a little injured. I think that kind of the way the Chargers played them defensively. They were really trying to take Fitz out of the game. Uh, I do think if you're a Michael Floyd owner, you're very happy. I think that no matter what happens, Michael Floyd is clearly a very important piece to that offense. But I, I, here's my thing with Fitz. I don't. I think the reason I'm not so worried is because I didn't view him as a number one, even really high-end number two guy to begin with. I, I thought that he has kind of been declining a little bit over the last few years, has become very touchdown dependent the last few years. Uh, so, you know, I'm not worried about Fitz, but at the same time, I don't think I was ever as high on him as some others were. Where do you stand on Larry Fitzgerald right now? Yeah, uh, well, uh, in a way, I'm with you. Yeah, I wasn't all that high on him. It wasn't exactly, uh, you know, the the person I was drafting as my my wide receiver uh, two even, uh, you know, but but definitely as a wide receiver three. Uh, I think the thing that worries me the most about it is targets. He's not getting the targets, right? So it, it looks like the offense is moving on without him. And that's what makes me a little bit nervous. He doesn't, he's not getting the targets. He's not getting the looks, you know, just the one catch. And even if he starts to, you know, even if he gets in Carson Palmer's ear a little bit and gets a little bit more going, uh, you know, Michael Floyd appears to be the future there. And obviously, if you're a Michael Floyd owner, you're very happy with the way things worked out. Um, will he have better weeks than this? Yeah. Will most of them be better? Yeah, sure. But, you know, this is that sort of gray area where you're saying, can I afford to have him in my starting lineup? And if you're in a two flex, you know, system where you really did anticipate having him in there every week, now you might have to start looking elsewhere for points, particularly if you're, you know, going against those really tough matchups that they're going to be going against in in Seattle and San Francisco. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, John Brown, their you know, rookie third receiver there, scored the touchdown on Monday night. Looks like they really like that kid, think he can be a big part of their future. So I agree. Fitz definitely trending downward. Uh, but I, I think there's still a little something left in the tank. Just for me, it was what it all – I'm not too worried because I never expected him to be that great. Moving on, we're going to move on to week two real quick. Let's just hit on three quick injuries just to mention them. We won't really get into it. But uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, I believe it's a hamstring injury. We'll see. I think he'll probably go against the Niners, but there's a lot of smoke out there. You're out there in Chicago. Have you heard anything on Alshon? Yeah, they're they're playing it pretty close to the vest. Yeah, it's a hamstring injury, and those are really sort of hard to track. You just sort of go and see how everybody's doing day-to-day sort of thing. Uh, But the hope is that he'll play. You know, they're using words like didn't look too significant, and, you know, they said right after the game that he could have actually gone back into the game, which makes me wonder why he didn't if that was actually the case, but that's a you know, uh, sort of a, a coaching thing there that I, I couldn't possibly wrap my head around why you wouldn't put your one of your best receivers uh, in the game. But, you know, uh, if that is the case, if he could have technically gone back in the game, then I would expect him to play this weekend. Two Browns injured, Jordan Cameron. Don't really know the severity of it. Doesn't seem too bad. We'll find out about that. Ben Tate, probably the more interesting one. He will be out two to four weeks. Uh, who, are you more, who do you like more, Terrence West or Isaiah Kroll? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd probably like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah Kroll a little bit more. And it's sort of a strange choice here because Terrence West was really high on my radar earlier. But look, if he can't, if he doesn't have the ability to protect his quarterback and if he can't pass block, he's not going to be in there. Uh, now, maybe over the last couple of weeks, he's made some jumps. But if things are going the way they were earlier on, then then they're going to have to do a split time there. 
All right, Tone, let's move on to week two. We don't have a ton of time here, so let's kind of breeze through this. Quick look at week two. There are some nice quarterback matchups under the radar. A couple of guys we mentioned, Jake Locker, a really nice play against the Cowboys. Carson Palmer in New York against the terrible New York Giants. Nice play. Andy Dalton against the Falcons, a nice play. First of all, are are there any of those guys that stand out? And then more importantly, from a philosophical standpoint, do you think this just kind of proves that you don't need to draft a quarterback early? Yeah, it absolutely proves it. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the sort of thing that we do every year. We talk about should you take this uh, uh, quarterback earlier, that one. And it's not that these high-ranked quarterbacks are going to play poorly most of the time. Most of the time, they're going to do well, but there's a couple of problems with it. One, which ones are going to do well? You're not really sure, and it's not going to be a slam dunk week to week, and you will see some of these later guys performing just as good as them. And the other problem is it's really hard to bench these big-name guys. They find it very, very difficult, even when there's a bad matchup to ever bench, say, Aaron Rodgers. So he's going against Seattle, in Seattle, but he's still on your starting lineup. Why? Because he's Aaron Rodgers. It's very hard to bench these guys. So what happens is you end up sticking with them, even if it's not the best matchup. Uh, if you draft one of the later guys, yeah, back them up early. You need two of these guys, right? So you can just play the matchup. You have Carson Palmer and Ben Roethlisberger on your team. Great. You got them in rounds nine and 13. Great. You can just Pick, you can pick them and drop them whenever you feel like it, and you don't feel bad about benching your number one quarterback because you didn't spend that much on him. Yeah, I, I agree and disagree. Sometimes I, I totally get the value, especially if it's a Manning or a Breeze or someone you can really count on to, to outscore everyone else by a significant margin when you look at the whole of the season. But I think for the most part, it does prove that you really don't want to go overboard unless you can kind of get a real good value on those top guys. You know, you don't know who's going to break out. Every year it's Matt Stafford, and he looked great on Monday night, but who knows? So I'm with you there. All right, let's let's uh, let's look at, real quick, we got to get to our mailbag and then our, our plays for the week as we're running out of time. But I had a thought just looking at the defenses around the league, and, and there are two things that stood out to me, and I want to see if there's anything that stands out to you. I think that you can play anyone any week against that Dallas Cowboys defense. I think they're going to be historically bad. And I also think that you play any running back you have against the Chicago Bears. They were historically bad last year against the run. And so far, it looks like that trend is going to continue. Tone, do you either have thoughts on those two or or any other kind of defensive matchup things that you can take advantage of heading into week two? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, I said it last week when we were talking about Freddie Jackson and C.J. Spiller. I said, you know, they gave up 2,500 yards on the ground last year. Start people against the Bears. I know it was last year, but, you know, being on the ground here, you you didn't see enough changes. What they did, strangely enough, with a a terrible uh, uh, run defense, they added defensive ends. Well, strangely enough, that didn't seem to help. So, uh, you know, yeah, start the running backs against the Bears until they figure it out, which might be a little while. Uh, And, of course, against the Cowboys. These are things that we knew. You know, also, you know, take a look at uh, teams like uh, New Orleans. You saw what Atlanta did to them. Uh, Maybe their defense isn't quite as good as they thought it was going to be going into the season. Uh, Some shootouts there in the NFC South. Well, at least amongst those two teams. Uh, The other two teams, maybe not. Yeah, that's a great point. Obviously, Matt Ryan with a monster, monster day against that Saints D, which they thought they had really improved that secondary, bringing in guys like Jarris Bird. Uh, Looks like that may have not been the case. All right, Tony, let's get to the mailbag. Two quick questions, both from at Mario ZMD, the Dr. Mario. Uh, First question, who should he start this week, Mark Ingram or Reggie Bush? 
Uh, I'm going to stick with Reggie Bush here, uh, you know, and I'm high on Ingram a little bit from from what I saw this week. And I know he's your guy and I'm, you know, behind it. But I'm going to go with Reggie Bush simply because I feel like uh, being a part of a two man timeshare is going to be a little bit better than being part of a three man timeshare. Uh, and it's simply that much. You know, Reggie Bush still can break it from anywhere at any time. He's got a history of doing it. Ingram will do it occasionally, but it still looks like going to be one of those things that one out of every six games he's going to go bananas. Uh, there's not enough of a body of work yet for me to be totally comfortable having him in if I have somebody like Reggie Bush also that I could start. Yeah, I feel you. I, I think you'd have to rank Bush a little higher, but but I think it's really close. I would even consider playing Ingram. Cleveland, a really nice matchup for the Saints. Bush he only had, what, six carries against a terrible Giants team, did absolutely nothing on the ground, did a tiny bit of damage in the past game, but really not much of a factor in that Monday night game. So I'm de- I was not a big Reggie Bush fan coming into the season, and week one has not dissuaded me much. Second question, again, from at Mario ZMD. Got a dilemma. Which three wide receivers do I start? Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, Mike Williams, Calvin Benjamin, and Julian Edelman. I think we could just say Julio Jones and Andre Johnson off the top. Which of the other three are you going to start? Uh, you got Julio, Andre, Mike, and Kelvin, and I feel like I'm missing one. Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. Oh, that's a that's an excellent one. Obviously, you know, I don't, you know, I think the real big question is going to be between uh, Julian Edelman and Calvin Benjamin. Uh, it looks like Julian Edelman is still going to get a ton of targets. Um, but with Cam Newton coming back, I think I'm actually going to go with Kelvin Benjamin on this one. It's really close between those two. I think if you have Julian Edelman, I think you'll be fine also. But I like Kelvin Benjamin's upside. I think he's got a better chance to get in the end zone. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you, especially with Cam coming back. I think actually, honestly, though, I think I would go Edelman this week. And obviously this depends a lot if it's a PPR. It's clearly Edelman. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I'd go Edelman uh, just until I see Cam and Kelvin do it in a game together. But if you ask me which of those two I'd want long term, I think it might be Kelvin, which is which is pretty wild. Uh, Tony, real quick, we're going to give a play out. Uh, you know, each of us will give a play out and mention kind of someone we're not excited about this week. But really quickly, maybe in 60 seconds, let's just address this Josh Gordon issue and, and Wes Welker and these guys. From everything we're seeing, from all that's coming out, and I don't think there's any single person who really knows exactly what's going to happen, it appears that there is a very good chance that Josh Gordon will play this season and possibly play very, very soon. Uh, I think that it's kind of too late for our audience here to have a chance to go out and get him on the wire. He's probably been owned since this kind of smoke has started to filter. No pun intended with Josh Gordon in the smoke, of course. Uh, but it does seem like there's a real good chance Josh Gordon's going to play. I think uh, it, he's worth making a trade offer for if you can kind of lowball someone who doesn't think he's going to come back. How do you feel about this? Is this kind of a crazy thing for fantasy where someone who was supposed to be out for the season, who was the number one receiver in all of football last year, could end up being picked up off the waiver wire for a fair amount of teams? I I can't really remember another situation like this. No, this is unique. I mean, you, you know, once once these players get suspended and they have their and then they have their, you know, suspension upheld, that was it. You wash your hands with it. It's over. There is no second, you know, life after that. The season's done. And now it's such a very unique time in the NFL when it comes to, you know, this thing, the Ray Rice situation and the suspension and then the, the you know, the 
the the permanent ban or the uh, indefinite ban. And now going on the other side, actually bringing players back for recreational drugs. Um, it, it's very surprising. Uh, you just don't expect these sorts of things. So so all you can do really is wait and see how this vote comes down with the uh, with the NFLPA or the representatives thereof and, and see if he gets in. If he gets in, he, he's a must own. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is because it didn't matter last year. Yeah, it's a great yeah, point. A great point. I 100% agree. Did great when Ware was in there last year. Did great with guys like Brandon Whedon. I think if he's back, he is going to make an impact, a major one. So could swing some leagues, and I'm uh, should be interesting to see how that plays out. Tone, uh, real quick, since you mentioned the Ray Rice thing, just from a fantasy perspective, just in a one-word answer, would you rather have Forsett or, or Bernard Pierce moving forward? That's a tough one because I, I I do own Bernard Pierce and I'm it's hard to tell if they've they benched him for a fumble or if he's going to have troubles. There's a good chance that their running game might just struggle all year. I think I'm still going to hold on to Bernard Pierce as sort of a wait and see thing. Although there's something to be said about Forsett uh, and he and he's worked in that system before. Uh, I'm still leaning Pierce, uh, but I. Definitely, if I don't have Pearson Forsett's on the waiver wire and he's out there, uh, he's probably a, a big add this week, I would say, that he's somebody you should definitely stash on your bench. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of struggling with this one, too, just because I don't think either of them are very good. Bernard Pierce has done absolutely nothing to impress me when he's gotten the opportunity to play, and he's gotten some fair opportunities to go out there and give it a shot and done nothing with it, and, and Forsett looked all right in week one, and but, uh, you know, he just doesn't really seem like a, a pounded kind of give it to him every down kind of back. He's little, kind of, you know, seems like the kind of guy you bring in on third down. So it, it should be interesting to see how it plays out, see how the carries uh, kind of get split apart there. But uh, I really don't know which way to go. I actually think I might lean Forsett a little bit just because I, I, I know what Bernard Pierce is, and he's not very good. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so, Tone, let's get to our – Picks of the week. I know you got to get out of here. Let's uh, let's start. I'll give you one of my plays. I'm actually going to go with a kind of a big name here, but it's someone I was really, really down on coming into the preseason. I don't own him anywhere. I, I thought he looked really good in week one. I thought his offensive line looked much better than I expected to. Granted, not against a great defense. Uh, and that's Arian Foster. I, I was impressed with how he looked over 100 yards on the ground, uh, involved in the passing game a little bit. I, I just I like what I saw from Arian, and then really the main reason I'd recommend him this week is going up against an Oakland Raiders defense that gave up a league-leading 212 yards rushing to the New York Jets. Uh, I think Arian Foster is a much better running back than Chris Johnson or Chris Ivory. So uh, I think Arian Foster is a really nice play this week. Yeah, that's a that's a, a great pick, I, and I, I still like his backups because I do like that system. So if something happens to him, I do think that system would support somebody like a Grimes or an Alfred Blue, depending on who they end up going with. Uh, for me this week, it's going to be Zach Ertz, and this kid looked great. I think he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. Uh, I think people in Philadelphia already understood that. I think the rest of the league is starting to figure that out. Uh, Second-year guy, that's when these tight ends start to figure things out. Uh, I think he's going to have an excellent game. And he only had a couple of catches, but he had 77 yards and a touchdown. I think he's going to get more targets as time goes on. Uh, and I think if you've got him, uh, he's definitely somebody to, uh, to hold on to and get into your starting lineup. Yeah, great point, especially them playing a Colts team that just gave up three touchdowns and a half to Julius Thomas. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a, a great point. I think Zach Ertz is an awesome play this week. And, of course, I feel like we should almost have a weekly play the running back starting against the Bears, but I think both Frank Gore and Carlos Hyde are, are really nice plays this week as well. 
Sadly, uh, yes. Sadly, yes. Sadly, yes, as a Bears fan. And then also I like Kendall Wright a lot against that Cowboys defense. Justin Hunter, pretty much anyone involved in that Titans offense. All right, real quick, Tone, is there anyone kind of a maybe a higher profile play or someone like that or you just have, want nothing to do with this week? Well, you know, a lot of these, and in, in it seems a little little cheap to go with injury problems, but, he, you know, what I'm looking at right now are these other tight ends, right? So maybe I'm focused on tight ends right now, but you're, you know, you're worried right now. You've got Jordan Cameron with his shoulder. You might have to go on the waiver wire because you're not going to know until the end. You've got Jordan Reed, uh, you know, getting hurt again, and you just don't know if these guys are going to be able to do it. So, so I would say keep your eyes on the waiver wire when it comes to these tight ends because there's a couple of them who are beat up and, you know, Delaney Walker might be out there for you. He's got, he's got Dallas this week and he might be out on the waiver wire. So if you're looking, if you have somebody like Jordan Cameron, who now obviously you got to be down on uh, just because of his injury and his status uh, and a couple of these other guys like Reed and, and, and Miller possibly, uh, I, think, uh, I think somebody like a, a Walker might be a nice, nice stash. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a pretty high-profile guy, and that's Eddie Lacy. Coming off a concussion, it, it, from what it appears he is going to play, they're saying he's in the final stage of the concussion protocol. It looks like he will play it, and if he doesn't, I'll just say Packers running backs in general. Uh, but that Jets uh, defense looked awesome, granted against a, a terrible Raiders offense, but I believe they held the Raiders like 25 yards rushing. And, and if you think the Raiders are going to be able to do anything on offense, you'd figure they'd at least be able to run the ball a little bit with MJD and McFadden. It, there's at least some semblance of weapons there, uh, and and they could do absolutely nothing. Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, I mean, the Jets are just so stout defensively along that defensive line and, and just in that front seven in general that uh, I think we might kind of see a trend where you start to consider sitting running backs against the Jets uh, and especially a guy like Eddie Lacy coming off a concussion. Uh, I just don't want anything to do with the Packers running back situation this week. So that should do it. I guess that'll do it for us. Tone, that was fun. Johnny will be back next week. Tone, uh, any last thoughts on the way out the door? Uh, no, just to keep your eyes on those injuries and keep your eyes on the news. Find out if you're, all of a sudden Josh Gordon is going to be available. Uh, just, uh, yeah, get get on your Twitter feed and follow us and see what's going on. If you got any questions, ask us, and we'll pay attention to all that stuff for you. Yes, ask us questions on Sunday. We'll be there to, to tweet out your answers. We got a good amount of questions on game day this past week. It was a lot of fun to kind of throw some answers out there. Everyone, good luck in week two. Make sure to... Pay attention to your lineups. Pay attention. See if Josh Gordon comes around. There's just so much going on right now, Tone. It's so exciting. Can't wait. All right. Thank you for listening to This Week in Fantasy, episode number eight, powered by Duncan Philly.